Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Stuart Corbridge. I'm one of the pro directors here at LSE, and it's, it's a very great privilege and an honour to welcome you all to a sunny London, which isn't always the case in November, and to the LSE. Um, the, and particularly, uh, that greeting, of course, goes to all our friends and guests from Brazil or from outside the United Kingdom more generally. Uh, the LSE is perhaps a slightly misleading name. In fact, the title of this school is the London School of Economics and Political Science. Um, but it might surprise some of you to know that we actually have 22 academic departments, and they run all the way from accounting and anthropology to sociology, statistics, and social psychology. We don't do laboratory-based science, and we don't really do languages uh, or some of the humanities, but we're a little bit more broadly based than perhaps some people realize. At the moment, we have about 9,000 students here. Uh, 5,000 of them would be postgraduates, including PhD students. And perhaps very surprising, only about a third of the students at the London School of Economics are from the UK. This is a truly global university, and our ambitions are always global. Uh, to work not just in the UK, but around the world. Now, you're all sitting today in the Founders Room of LSE, and the school goes back to 1895, and it's associated especially with the British Fabians, George Bernard Shaw and Sidney and Beatrice Webb. And the school was always set up to have an interest in inequality and social mobility and access to the state and public services. So I'm very pleased today, of course, that the theme of this uh, workshop is very much connected to the ambitions of the founders of LSE. The LSE has always tried to mix academic excellence with public engagement, and a number of our academics are very centrally involved in public policy making. A lot of the work on minimum wages in the UK has been informed by work at the LSE. Uh, financing long-term care, the student loan schemes, not only in the UK but Hungary and soon perhaps in Chile, all bear the mark of a particular LSE academic, Professor Nicholas Barr. We've also done work on child protection and as we passed the Olympic flame from uh, London to Rio, it might surprise some of you that we have a professor in the management department who advises the goalkeeper of the Chelsea football team how to dive in penalty shootouts. He was advised against Manchester United in the European Cup final a few years ago, only to be sabotaged when John Terry slipped at the fatal moment. So we've always tried to combine academic excellence with public engagement. And it is therefore a particular pleasure to be able to introduce one of the co-introducers of this conference, which does particular, particularly that that combines first-class research in Latin America, in Brazil, in Rio, with an attempt to inform public policy. Now, of course, I particularly want to salute my colleague at the back, standing there, uh, Sandra uh, Jovchilevich, uh, for all the work that she's done, uh, both academically and for organising this event today, which takes a fair amount of time, as you might imagine. I'd also like to thank the LSE events team, and particularly also there at the back, uh, Soraya Mohabir, for the work that they've done. 
But of course, the work that we're here to examine today is not just work carried out by the LSE, and this is very, very important. The LSE is committed not just to interdisciplinary work, but to working with partners, to hearing what other colleagues from around the world have to say. So I'm particularly pleased on behalf of Sandra and LSE, um, and I should apologise immediately for being a very bad linguist. As I was just saying to Pilar, my wife is also called Pilar and is a Costa Rican, but after 12 years I still can't speak Spanish. <laughs> I do know some Hindi, so forgive me if I miss... I, I've mainly worked in India. Um, forgive me if I mispronounce certain names today, but we would like very much to thank Itau Cultural, Itau Social, of course UNESCO, Afro Reggae and KUFA for all the work that they've done alongside Sandra and her co-workers to make possible all that we're about to receive today uh, to debate and to discuss. Unfortunately, uh, I can only stay till 11 o'clock this morning, but I look forward to coming back for one of the panels uh, this afternoon. I'd also, since we have to stick very much to time and I need to end my remarks, thank all of you for being here uh, today, whether you can stay this morning, this afternoon or for the entire day. I know we've got a very distinguished audience. Uh, we've got academics, we've got people from activist organisations, we've got people from the third sector. We have a number of uh, guests, distinguished guests from Brazil, of course, who've joined us. Some people flying in, I think, just for a couple of days, which is astonishing. I didn't think London was that bad that you would have to go home so quickly. And I would like also to thank uh, the Brazilian Embassy here in London. Now, it, it is very important that we stick as much as possible to time today. So my next task, which is a very happy one, is to allow my friends to my left here to introduce themselves and to say a word in turn before we turn to some housekeeping rules uh, to keep you all safe here and happy at the LSE uh, and then to the film. So uh, I'm going to ask first of all Anna Souza from Itaou Cultural to say a few words. Sorry, I kind of assumed that we were in order, but I'm not. Good morning to you all. I'm sorry, but I'll speak in Portuguese. I hope you forgive me. I'm representing Itaú Cultural, which is an institute without a profits, linked to Itaú Bank, and our mission is to disclose, uh, defoge the Brazilian art, and that's why we're involved in this project. We, we believe that Kufa and Agoregi are symbolic expressions, are very important of our culture and our art. And I, this partnership is a co celebrating. I already said that to Ana, Sandra, we all great partners, not only of Itaú Cultural, but of uh, our people. And this is very, very important. We are very happy to under care, under, uh, carry out this uh, research and the work that has been carried out for three years. And the film that we produced for this, well, it's, it's a pleasure, that's all. There are much more interesting people than I to speak here. So I would like to thank you very much, the space and, and the agenda, uh, so you can listen, uh, listen to us about there are research and have a good day. Thank you very much. 
thank you very much, Anna. Um, and now we're going to have an introduction from Isabel Santana from Itaú Social. Thank you. Good morning. I would love to speak in English, but I'm still learning, and uh, I don't want to take any risks today. So I'm going to speak in Portuguese. E é com muita alegria que eu estou aqui hoje. Acho que em primeiro lugar, and I'm very happy today to be here. First, because this meeting uh, marks a, a, a very important characteristic in, our, in the partnerships that we managed to build in this project. First, it's a relationship of a very deep trust between different organizations. And I'd like to thank thanks all our partners. Why that? First, because we know that it's not easy to gather different organizations with different cultures, with different objectives in around uh, common projects. And this happened in this partnership. So I would like to thank especially the sister institution, which is Itaú Cultural. We are two different institutions. We are the, the foundation Itaú Social responds to the in social investment of the Banco Itaú. In Itaú Cultural is an institute that works as a separate institution with a, a cultural investment of the bank. And I think this project gave us the opportunity to make this work together. Uh, gathering all the interests of social investment, uh, cultural area, and educational area. And this is very symbolic. I would like to thank very much KUFA and Afroreki, not only for the, the trust, but the opening and the willingness to share their knowledge and uh, their everything they've learned uh, beyond the daily practice without knowing exactly where this was going to go. This demanded of each of these partners um, uh, disponibility, generosity, uh, to share all their learnings and things that were very difficult to do daily. I would like uh, to thank very specially as well, and I would like to mention Marlova to UNESCO, which was a point of convergence between uh, organizations with all the interests and uh, seeing ahead the potential of this joint work and being able to uh, go beyond the difficulties and trying to concentrate uh, all the, co the convergence of all the actings together. And of course, London School of Economics, and I mentioned Sandra with all the researchers, because this, uh, we managed to be here today because we had a very good group, working group, very serious, committed, very deep, and very respected, very respectful. And that was the most important thing. Us from uh, Itaú Social, we concluded this project with uh, happiness. But knowing that there's a very important objective that was reached here in terms of the beginning of the research. One of the points that I would like to highlight, and I know we have to speak very quickly, but I would like to highlight something. 
is that these different organizations managed to look at social action in terms of potentialities, the, the, the existing potentialities being people or territories. And all this work was distancing itself from the idea of lack of poverty and was looking for the development of uh, potentials. And when we talk about this, it is not possible to speak in developing potentials without saying at the same time in uh, uh, increasing the opportunities. And this is one of the things that we found in this research. And, and Sandra will present this research today. And we have to think about the concept of uh, psychosocial Uh, scaffoldings, which are very uh, illustrated through the work of Kufi and Afroreg, uh, in, in the sense that we can go beyond the local action and invest in social policies that will reinforce different modalities of social scaffoldings that are being built in different communities and in different countries. In Brazil, We speak about thousands of social organizations with amazing potentials of construction, and sometimes they're forgotten or underestimated by the public policies which are created by, for social development. This research brings this fundamental contribution, and we are alerted to looking at this uh, scaffoldings which are built and reinforced by different organizations in different uh, regions as a possibility of increasing the opportunities of uh, development of each person, of each child, of each young person. So to end, uh, the, uh, for us the, in the foundation, it's a, it's a great joy not only to celebrate the conclusion of a project, but of the opening uh, of these results that can bring to us uh, in order to reinforce uh, social transformation. Thank you very much to all of you, and I hope that during the day we can exchange ideas and deepen uh, this uh, subject. Thank you. Thank you very much, Isabel. Um, I know later on we're going to hear again from Pilar Alvarez Lasso, who's the Assistant Director General for Social and Human Sciences at UNESCO. Um, but I'm going to invite Pilar now to say a few words just in this opening part of the session. Thank you. Thank you very much. I suppose I have the official part, so I will try to make it quickly, quickly so we can go ahead, but um, let's go. Excellencies, distinguished participants, colleagues, ladies and gentlemen, let me first of all thank you the London School of Economics and Political Science and all of the other disciplines in the social and human sciences. Uh, for hosting and for being um, such an important partner for this research, which is at the very heart of UNESCO's work in social inclusion. It is indeed very important for what we have been working on the program. We have an intergovernmental program and a scientific program called Management of Social Transformations, MOST. So this research, of course, underground sociabilities, identity, culture, and resistance in Rio's favelas is 
a key one. It is a key one because UNESCO being global, as LSE wants to be global, Brazil is one of the offices where we have a very important work on the social and human sciences. And the work is, that will be presented today, this study which shows how efficient North-North cooperation is and how we can rely with partners at all levels with, of course, the prestige of academic institutions as LSE and with the prestige of our partners at the grassroots, grassroots level or NGOs like Itaú Cultural Institute, the Itaú Social Foundation, afro and CUFA. I'd like to say that the thematic focus that this initiative will bring, will show, is stellar, is a star on what we can demonstrate that academic research can do with a view to improve social policy development. In UNESCO, in the social and human sciences, we are working through most, and we are ready to collaborate more with LSE, take that. We are ready to collaborate more, and all partners, into the different studies we are doing. In particular, we are trying to go along with governments in assessing the inclusiveness of social policies, and that those in particular that affect um, social development and vulnerable groups. And when we, talk, when we talk about vulnerable groups, we are also thinking a lot of the work that is needed to be done in youth, because governments, communities, private partners, we need to invest more on youth. You know it very well. You are more youth than I am, but we know that we have gotten it wrong, and something has to be done differently. As a final word, not all has been wrong, though, but we have still to, to review. As a final word, I cannot but congratulate the initiators of this study, the LSE and our office in Brazil, as well as all of those who have supported to contribute to this study and to demonstrate that working together, we can achieve more. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Pilar. I think that's a very important message, and I'd also like to thank uh, the Brazilian Embassy being involved with this event today. Uh, LSE does have ambitions to be much more centrally involved in Latin America. We tend to be tilted a wee bit towards Asia at the moment and to North America, but we have been trying to forge stronger partnerships in Latin America, particularly with Brazil. So I'm hopeful that this event will uh, move that agenda on for us as well in a slightly more parochial way. Well, thanks, Stuart. I, I just want to say thank you very much. Muito obrigada. Muito obrigada do fundo do meu coração. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. For me, it's a special day to be here at the LSE, which is uh, my home in the UK, my intellectual home, a place where I have friends, where I work, and to see so many uh, of my Brazilian partners, my co-workers, people who have come here today to celebrate the capacity Brazil has for beginnings, for innovation, for social development. And to be doing this in a conversation with the UK, for me, is something very, very special. So thank you very much to everyone, and we'll have a great day, I hope.
acredito que algum ser soberano fez a opção de destinar pessoas a viverem pior ou melhor. Destino? Favela é o meu mundo, cara. O meu mundo, é o meu lugar. Tá entendendo? Onde tem as minhas raízes, né? Nasci, me criei. Onde eu aprendi os meus valores. E os não valores. A verdade é essa. Antes, a única coisa que eu chegava na favela era a violência, né? O modo como a violência afetava a minha vida. E hoje eu consigo enxergar outras coisas que não a violência. Eu sou Bruna, eu vim de Parada de Lucas, eu faço isso e essa é a minha trajetória. O Freire, na minha vida tem um papel fundamental para me ajudar a falar isso. Assim. Você não consegue passar por aqui sem ser tocado de alguma forma. Um lado melhorou, o outro piorou. Os caras é mais corrupto que não sei o que. Pega os moleques do, 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 do tráfico, pega o dinheiro dos moleques, libera os moleques. Esculacha a família aí. Pô. Essas que estão de tijolos. É que já conseguiram fazer. Mas era tudo madeira aqui. Já preparou tua rima? Então, aproveita que o cara tá filmando, vai. Manda pra ele aí. Eu sou seu amigo de infância. Você é uma criança. Então, por favor, nunca perca a esperança. Ih, valeu, mano. Só quem tá formado no bonde que bota A tem um lema que é transformar aquilo que era em estigma em carisma. Não é falar de um outro lugar, é continuar falando daquele mesmo lugar que sempre foi marginalizado, a favela, mas só que com um olhar diferente. Não que aquela deva ser uma condição única e para sempre. Mas ser daquele lugar não é mais significado ou sinônimo de, de fracasso, de marginalizado, de excluído. É pegar nossas próprias forças e transformar aquilo num lugar legal. Eu diria que é um modelo de emergência social. Que você chega num lugar disforme, num lugar desequilibrado urbanamente, desequilibrado até socialmente, e você não vai fazer o coletivo logo. Você tem que encontrar a pessoa, contagiar a pessoa, provocar a pessoa, e esse indivíduo vira um agente multiplicador. O fascínio me levou à vida bandida, o fascínio da rua, o fascínio do beco, da viela. Ao que eu me lembro, me envolvi diretamente no tráfico com 13 anos e com 19 anos eu me tornei o chefe do tráfico. É ter passado por tudo que eu passei e hoje poder ter experiência de vida e poder falar para um moleque desse, cara, não entra na vida errada. Porque eu perdi mais de 300 amigos. Eu tenho marcas no corpo de tiro de fuzil. 
Eu conheço seus sonhos, suas angústias, suas desilusões. Eu não vou morrer igual meus heróis morreram, cara. Meus heróis morreram de tiro. Meus heróis eram os traficantes. Eram os que faziam, na, na minha época, eles faziam benfeitoria na comunidade. Agiu onde o Estado não agia. Então esse cara que mata a tua fome, a gente, você vai olhar ele com bons olhos. Tu não vai olhar ele com maus olhos, tá vendo? A gente não é um grupo de cara bacana, legalzinho. Aqui é um grupo que é formado por pessoas que foram traficantes, que tiveram dificuldades nas suas vidas pessoais e que buscam ser leais àquilo que nós acreditamos. Eu aprendi muito, cara, com quem fracassou. Quem fracassa é mais generoso para te ensinar onde errou do que quem acerta. O sucesso é bacana, legal. Mas você, como líder, você tem que se preparar para o fracasso, o impacto de um fracasso na vida de alguém, e de alguém que já fracassou inúmeras vezes, se der errado, a gente passa a ser o um suporte para que outros não caiam, entendeu? Nessa ribanceira, porque é importante você falar onde você errou também. Aqui, ó, era o esconderijo quando éramos crianças. Que com a pacificação eles fizeram a trilha, né? Que era bem fechado. Era como um faroeste. Para vocês terem uma ideia aqui, era chamado de inferno verde devido aos absurdos que tinha de violência. Hoje, graças a Deus, nós podemos ir e vir, depois dessa pacificação, que é o que veio de bom para nós que somos moradores e trabalhadores. Aqui é o ponto mais alto. Esse ponto aqui é o mais alto. Eu esqueci quanto é que mede. E antigamente eu também não tinha perfil. Eu era aquele moleque solto, independente de eu estar estudando, de eu estar batalhando para ser alguém na vida. Eu também tinha aquele aprendizado totalmente diferente, né? Que a gente conviveu aqui de uma forma totalmente diferente que conviveram lá embaixo. Depois de um tempo, né, eu fui eu entrei para o Afroreg e comecei a fazer as coisas. Ele começou a mostrar um mundo totalmente diferente, um mundo que eu, que eu poderia mudar não só a minha, como da minha família toda, como de outras crianças que hoje em dia me chamam de professor, como eu chamei outras, entendeu? Eu acho que o, o que manda no perfil da pessoa, acho que hoje em dia é a atitude. Se você não tiver atitude, de morador, mas aquele morador totalmente civilizado, você não chega a lugar nenhum. O meu ponto de vista é esse. O sonho da revolução continua porque a favela não mudou. A ideia de que você, que se tem hoje no Rio de Janeiro, por exemplo, como eu não trabalho só no Rio, a minha, a minha visão é maior do que, do que esse território aqui, é, a favela não mudou. Quando a gente fala de terceira economia mundial, por exemplo, a gente corre um grande risco, quer dizer, a segunda economia mundial daqui a um tempo, mas se a favela não se desenvolver, só vai aumentar a distância entre a favela e o país que se desenvolveu.
Esse lugar aqui, como eu falei, se chama quebra-braço. Aqui tinha muitos barracos, mas só que essa parte aqui evoluiu e teve uma queda, né? Como tá vendo aí, tem motor de lixo. Se a gente der uma olhada para cima, vai ver o quanto essas pessoas estão fisicamente num mundo sem luz. É o que a gente está vivendo aqui. Você está aqui hoje na favela e ali é Ipanema. Ou seja, assim, esse, o PIB, parte do PIB do nosso estado, são pessoas que moram nessa região aqui. Né? E um dos menores IDH são pessoas que moram exatamente aqui onde a gente está de pé. Mas eu acho que tem, tem que mudar. A gente tem que incomodar todo mundo. Quem mora aqui, quem mora ali. passadinha aqui aí, tô aproveitando, olhando o que vocês estão fazendo. As pessoas que procuram a Cufa, elas não vêm procurando exatamente algo que elas possam, de repente, tocar. Então a pessoa não vem aqui pensando somente que eu vou fazer um curso na Cufa, vou praticar uma atividade, e, mas também ele vem querendo algo que vai muito além do que isso. Quem tá chegando novo, bem-vindo! Você eu conheço, você, caraca, prazer, Giza. Não consigo me imaginar fora da Frag não, porque foi através da Frag que eu vi o mundo lá fora, que eu não vi que o mundo só tem aqui mesmo da comunidade, entendeu? E é tudo novo, e tudo que é novo um pouco assusta, né? Porque não tá no cotidiano de cada jovem, de cada morador. Eu acho que quando você escuta as pessoas falando como a vida delas foi transformada, vocês entendem tudo que o Afroreg e a Cufa fazem. É um processo longo que tem a ver com cultura, com identidade, com essa sensação de pertencimento de dois lados, né? De quem está na favela e de quem está lá embaixo. O grande aprendizado para nós é, é que a solução para uma comunidade que tem problemas é que a solução precisa vir dentro da própria comunidade. Precisa vir através de lideranças que tenham histórias de vida exemplares, que possam efetivamente ter legitimidade para dialogar com a população desses lugares, porque eles são parte integrante desses problemas e são parte integrante dessas soluções. Eu acho que isso pode ser reproduzido, Eu acho que essa força de vontade pode ser reproduzida em qualquer lugar do mundo. E assim, hoje em dia pode funcionar muito bem o hip hop, o teatro, a percussão aqui no Rio, mas de repente, numa comunidade lá no interior do Maranhão, pode ser que um artesanato funcione melhor. E quem sabe no exterior, em um outro país, a música funcione melhor, mas esse compromisso, essa dedicação, precisa ser igual em todo lugar para fazer a roda girar, né? O Rio de Janeiro que nós encontramos há 20 anos atrás não é esse Rio de Janeiro atual. Jamais poderia imaginar quem iria capacitar os policiais em música, em grafite, em audiovisual, fossem jovens que foram do narcotráfico. Penso que muitos dos nossos problemas ligados à violência, à habitação, à empregabilidade, seriam resolvidos com a educação. Para você ser cidadão, para você ter acesso às coisas, você precisa de educação e a arte é parte da, da educação, é parte do teu repertório, do teu conhecimento. O conhecimento é a chave de tudo. As pessoas mais instruídas, elas vão mais além, elas vão ter mais força de vontade, vão conseguir subir mais um degrau. E quando a pessoa não tem instrução de nada, essa pessoa não tem informação de nada, desconhece, quando ela não conhece nem os direitos básicos que ela tem, ela vai se acomodar com aquela vidinha ali e vai deixar aquilo quieto e não avança. E isso é ruim para a população que vive dentro da favela.
Então, o que, que esse estudo nos permite entender? que as experiências construídas por Afroreg e Kufa nas comunidades populares, de uma forma geral, são experiências que têm muito a ensinar a instituição formal da escola. A forma como aquelas crianças, aqueles adolescentes, entendem a vida, pensam o mundo, movem o corpo, se relacionam entre si. Ter a chance também de sistematizar essas experiências da Kufa e do Afroreg permitindo que elas sirvam de inspiração para outras ONGs. É uma das coisas que a Unesco tem muito orgulho de participar e fazer, junto com a Lonos Coffee Economics, com o Itaú Social, com o Itaú Cultural. Em que a gente continue incentivando essas vias de mão dupla, em que as pessoas possam vir na favela, mas que a favela também possa ir para o asfalto ser respeitada como cidadão comum. Eu acho que o impacto maior, primeiro, é um trabalho com autoestima, né? Saber que eu tenho capacidade de crescer e que um morador de favela tenha capacidade de construir coisas e modificar. No momento que a gente achar que o dever foi cumprido, a tendência é a gente se acomodar. Eu espero que todos nós juntos deixamos um legado em todos os pontos discursivos da sociedade para que a geração após a nossa possa evoluir em relação a gente e possa deixar um processo mais evolutivo para frente. Eu já fiz várias coisas importantes na minha vida, mas nada foi tão grandioso e tão significativo em termos de ajudar o próximo coletivo quanto as coisas que a gente consegue fazer a partir da curva. Impacto que a gente gera transformando vidas daquelas pessoas que acaba contagiando todo mundo. Você ter a consciência de cidadão dentro da sociedade a um todo, mas sempre olhar para o lugar que você veio, para o lugar que você está. Você se desperta para a necessidade do mundo, mas parte dali. Todo desejo, esse desejo, toda essa vontade de mudança, parte ali dentro. Got the lights up. Good. I say for somebody um, who hasn't worked in this area but has mainly worked in India, that was a very interesting film. It was very nice to see uh, Sandra making an appearance there in the film towards the end. So I think now, Sandra, you're going to uh, talk to us about uh, the film and the research more generally. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, thank you very much, Stuart. I I think we have we have said thank you to everyone. I, I still want to say uh, yet some, uh, uh, a bit more thank you, and this time to my colleagues at the Institute of Social Psychology, especially to uh, Jacqueline Crane, Daniel Linehan, who have supported me throughout the administrative effort of producing the seminar, uh, the PhD students who have been fantastic in helping out, uh, my colleagues who are here today, my students whose job, intelligence and difficult questions have always kept this research on track, and in particular to my co-author, 
Jacqueline Prego Hernandez, without whom this work would have not uh, been possible, would have not been possible. Now, how to tell the story of this research? When I came across Afarakan Kufa back in 2006, it was clear to me that they represented something new and powerful in the Brazilian public sphere. Debates about models of social development were already pointing to the innovative and rather unique nature of the Brazilian experience. And for me, an uprooted, displaced Brazilian looking at my country from afar, it became clear that I had to suspend criticism and try to understand what was happening. Brazil was showing its vocation for beginnings, and this time right in the middle of its invisible territories, the favelas in the borders of the city, where underground sociabilities are usually hidden. As many people know, uh, the first meetings with Celso Taigi, José Júnior, Negajiza, Feijão are striking. And I was struck. Indeed, I was impressed. I was almost in love by the power of their voices, by the story they had to tell. They reminded me, first of all, the first time I saw Junior, they reminded me of Samuel Beckett, who found humor in adversity and wrote fail, fail again, fail better. They reminded me of Jorge Amado, the Brazilian writer, who wrote of Brazil's capacity for mixture and dialogue as its greatest contribution to a global public sphere. There was something of each and more in the voices of these actors. There was agency and wisdom in the middle of poverty and harsh conditions of living. There was a desire to cross into the city and showcase a proud and rich collective identity, usually uh, hidden away. They were unconventional, they were funny, they were gutsy, and they were signaling something utterly new and bottom-up in the Brazilian public sphere. New social actors, unconventional partnerships and dialogues, original responses to the idea of real as a broken city. And we studied their experience and the context from which they emerged became the focus of this research and of the wider partnership that produced underground sociabilities. In this project, we have called underground sociabilities those subterranean forms of social life that are made invisible to mainstream society by geographical, economic, symbolic, behavioral, and cultural barriers. Examples of how mainstream societies come face to face with their subterranean sociabilities include the many battles between the police and the drug trade in the streets of Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo in the last decade, and in a completely different context than the summer riots of 2011 in London. By study underground sociabilities, we sought to uncover the perceptions, the experiences, the dreams and aspirations of communities pushed underground, their trajectories and roots of socialization, and importantly, how positive action for change emerges in contexts of deprivation. How do favela communities, despite harsh conditions of living, poverty and segregation, have been able to mobilize local resources, individual and collective, 
to resist exclusion, fight off marginalization, and rewrite relations between the favelas and the city. To this end, we focused on the work of favela-born organizations of Araki and Kufa, which use the arts, sports, civic, civic engagement, and the imagination to transform favela environments and establish lines of communication and exchange between marginalized communities and mainstream society. Our research comprised three empirical studies, an investigation of the life world of favela communities, a systematic study of favela organizations, Afareg and Kufa, and an investigation of external observers in the wider city. Our approach was psychosocial, ethnographic, and multi-method, combining quantitative and qualitative methodologies. Field work was conducted in Rio de Janeiro uh, and intensively in four favela communities of the city, Cantagalo, City of God, Madureira, and Vigário Geral, all of which you have seen in the film. We have also conducted field work with the pacification police units, both in the headquarters of the military police and in the favela of Santa Marta. This research design was auctionable, and this is a big lesson for academics, because the study was developed as a partnership. Academics alone would not be able to gain access to the field and produce this research. We worked as a team of academics, practitioners, favela communities, UNESCO and the private sector in a collaboration between LSE, uh, the charitable foundations of Itaú Bank, the Brasilia Office of UNESCO, Afroreg and Kufa, with each stage of the project developed through consultation of stakeholders. Uh, now, the context uh, we encountered and the problem of our research. Although levels of victimization, inequality and poverty decrease drastically in Brazil and to some extent in Rio, the urban landscape of the city both in absolute numbers and in human experiences of suffering, loss and segregation, continues to challenge the imaginations of politicians, social scientists and policymakers. This wonderful and mixed city is also a broken city, where the beauty of the natural landscape, the warmth and the conviviality of the Carioca and the openness to the world who exist with violence, crime, and radical social divisions. Rio is an unequal city. More than 20% of its population continues to live in favelas. Residents in favela has a negative impact on income, education, teenage pregnancy, literacy, and child mortality, as you can see on the numbers of the Human Development Index that show how Gavia, one of the most affluent neighborhoods of Rio, has an HDI that is highest and no rate, the highest HDI in the world, whereas Complexo do Alemão is below Kyrgyzstan. Uh, this can be seen in the levels of teenage pregnancy and literacy in the city's neighborhoods, in, and it can be seen in the homicide rate that has a very specific story to tell 
because the rooting of the drug trade and the 80s and the 90s created parallel, not only created parallel norms and regulations in favela communities, but also triggered a territorial war between drug trade factions and the police, with favela dwellers caught in between. Violence, lack of services, and socioeconomic deprivation in the favelas created social exclusion and intense separation between the favelas and the asphalted areas of the city, known in Rio as the division Morro Asfalto, or the division Hill Asphalt. Favelas were pushed underground and became invisible. Their diverse community life, the richness of the culture, shut off by geographical, economic, symbolic, behavioral, and cultural barriers. Now, since the 1990s, new actors, young, mainly black, favela dwellers, entered the public sphere to organize responses to poverty, violence, and segregation, challenging the traditional model of the NGO and repositioning favela populations in the Brazilian public sphere. And that's what we studied. We started with an investigation of the life world of the favela. Our research found that the world of favela communities and its underground sociabilities is characterized by a complex institutional framework marked by the instability of the family, the narco-traffic, the limited, indeed very limited, presence of the state with the police as its only face and indirect relation with the drug trade, the churches and NGOs such as Afaragi and Kufa. These institutions communicate and relate in complex ways to provide roots of socialization for favela dwellers. The nature of these relations and the frame and support they offer are key determinants of social inclusion and exclusion. These institutions are not just a background. They constitute, in fundamental ways, the trajectory of underground sociabilities. They are inscribed in the voices of favela dwellers, in the manner they narrate their personal lives, the experience of their community, and the relations between the favela and the city. The family is central for favela dwellers, despite being a tremendous unstable reality in their lives. Almost 70% of 12, 17-year-olds report an absent father. More than 25% report an absent mother. And almost 20% report both parents absent. A stable family is considered essential for the self and for a positive life, with grandmothers and mothers playing a major role in stabilizing life trajectories, and yet the family is not there. The experience of loss and crime is central to life trajectories and to the understanding of the self. It is central for the formation of individual identities. People grow up witnessing the death or imprisonment of friends and family. Religiosity and faith are central. Most participants report belief and church practices as a means to sustain a positive pathway of socialization and to change one's life. 
The centrality of the drug trade is unequivocal. It has been a provider, a legislator, an organizer of everyday life in the favela, offering a parallel system of behavioral codes as well as a professional career. The right to the city is dictated by drug bosses who control borders and space within and between communities. All respondents in our research, all respondents, have reported loss and suffering caused by the drug trade. Importantly, conviviality, enjoyment, and the festa, the fiesta, parting, are vital to favela life and to the experience of the self. There is intense sociability inside the favela. Role models and bottom-up organizations such as Afareg and Kufa compete directly with the drug trade, offering occupation, psychosocial and material support, training and stable and caring role models. Now, these structures and actions of support are predictors of positive choices and enable escaping from the drug trade. This was perhaps one of the most important findings of this research. We have called these actions and structures of support psychosocial scaffoldings. Psychosocial scaffoldings are necessary for social integration and protect against marginalization. They can be provided by manifold institutions across the lifespan. This finding challenges especially traditional conceptions of psychosocial support as an exclusive protection of the nuclear family and effective mainly in early years of life. Other institutions, NGOs, can also provide psychosocial scaffoldings. The community. There is, despite all this harsh, harshness, a strong sense of belonging, cohesion, and attachment to place in favela communities. Residents live in fear of the drug trade and the police, but paradoxically feel safer in their communities than they do in the rest of the city. A strong social capital coexists with a sharp perception of the divisions between the favela and the city. Favela dwellers are reluctant to cross borders into town because the division hill asphalt is lived as stigma and discrimination. Place is an important predictor of differences in favela communities. We found significant differences between the communities we studied, which shows that contexts of poverty should not be treated as homogeneous. Finally, 93% of our participants love Rio. They like to live in Rio, but the affective bonds that link favela communities to the city is marked by ambivalent representations of Rio de Janeiro as both beautiful and violent. We looked into favela police relations. We have found that policing Rio de Janeiro is changing. Through the pacification police units, the UPPs, the police are in transition and seeking to transform the nature of their engagement with favelas. They propose a new model of public security that intends to bring populations closer together as well as to strengthen social policies inside communities. 
More than half of all participants which refer to the pacification police units viewed them as positive. 21% see them as negative, 30%, 13% feel ambivalent, and 11% think that nothing has changed. Our research found that there is a considerable way to go in changing representations forged by negative experiences of favela dwellers with the police. But both sides are in dialogue to transform police favela relations. Now, the new social actors. Who are they? Afareg and Kufa are hybrid organizations that combine being NGOs, social movements, entrepreneurs, artists, and social workers. They emerged out of the favelas and are solidly connected to the life world of the favela. The life trajectories of leaders and activists are analogous to those of favela residents. We found exactly the same life trajectories in our study of uh, leaders and activists. These trajectories operate as mirror stories that reflect pathways widely found in favela communities. The experience of failure, the experience of loss, of suffering, but importantly, the experience, the experience of standing up and continuing one's life. Contar a vida, or to tell one's life story, is a central methodology they use as a leverage, as a platform for identification, and as an example of survive and determination, as a repository of hope and potential features. Elite observers we interviewed in the city see Afaragi and Kufa as innovators and agenda setters, projecting and forcing the presence of peripheral actors in the Brazilian public sphere. What do they do? A first key method is attention to personal trajectories and the individual self as a central asset for social development. They engage with subjectivities and provide training, everyday structure and intersubjective inter scaffolding for the self. Programs to develop social skills and employability reinforce positive socialization and social integration and they put a lot of effort into conscientization on individuals who understand themselves as agents and believe in their capacity to act as protagonists of their own lives. A second key innovation are social technologies of the imagination. Afareg and Kufa use the arts and culture to connect the city and subvert negative stereotypes of the favela. They pull cultural resources, engage imagination and creativity, and showcase the culture of the favela to the city, to the country, and more recently to the world. The resources of local culture, in particular of Brazilian black heritage, are identified and used for social development and as tools for healing and counteracting suffering and exclusion. They reject a culture of victimization opting for a culture of celebration, laughter, and enjoyment. And they become attractive. They pull the city in through that culture of celebration. A third key innovation we identified are the crossings, mediations, and unconventional partnerships they engage with. Afaregi and Kufa work with the media 
the state and the private sector to push favelas into the agenda of the city and to offer new lenses to read favela environments. Contrary to traditional models of the NGO, they are not afraid of markets, media and government. So, one of the most important lessons of this research, and there is much more, and for those who are interested in all we found, the report, the full report is available at our website. One of the most important lessons of this research uh, is that the generative power of bottom-up movements such as Afaragi and Kufa, the rise from the culture, the identity and the wisdom of the communities which they are part of and represent. Their efficacy is to be found in the social solidarities forged by people who must live a very difficult life, face poverty and violence, and yet remain staunchly hopeful and optimistic about their identities, their communities and their future. Throughout this project, we encountered protagonists who turn upside down the depersonalization, homogenization of people living in poverty to show that despite social exclusion, there is resilience, a vibrant culture, and a powerful and proud collective intelligence living in the edges of the city. The social capital of Brazil and its capacity for successful social development are not being produced in a top-down manner by technocrats and experts, but are being forged by multiple actors in the collaborations of the democratic public sphere. Innovative forms of association and activism, as well as unconventional and novel partnerships between different, at times, historically opposed social sectors, are producing a bottom-up push for social development that links economic growth, citizenship, and the self-esteem of historically excluded populations. Afro-Regi and Kufa emerged in Brazil and Rio and are quintessentially cariocas, yet what they are and what they do travels far beyond Rio. Our study suggests that Rio's model of social development is transferable because it is founded on universal dimensions, the human self as protagonist, the power of the imagination, and the value of dialogue as a tool for managing difference and conflict. I very much hope that our discussion today can address this issue and debate the potential dialogues between London and Rio. A year on from the London riots, perhaps London has something to learn from the favelas of Rio. Singer, your village suggested Tolstoy, and you sing to the world. This is true for literature, it's true for music, and it's true for cities. Afarega and Kufa, we found, tell the story of the favelas, and in doing so, they can talk to the world. So thank you very much.